Happy Sunday, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in for another episode from the Isle of Dr. Garneau. I'm Kelly J. Lewis, and with me, of course, is Dr. Chris Garneau. So, Dr. Garneau, we have survived the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, the the increase, I don't know, but there's so much there's so much going on. Where do we start? Okay, well, before we get into the some of the bigger news stories, I want to talk about a local one that I just read. Actually, let's talk about two local stories here. So um, the first one, uh, and they both center around the idea of Christmas festivities. And I will tell you, I really like the holidays. Like, I like the decorating. I like the uh, all the lights, you know, driving around. Actually, one of the things my kids and I like to do here in Norman we'll go drive down what we call frat row, which is like the fraternity and sororities. And because I, I'm pretty sure the kids don't decorate them, but um, they always decorate these great big houses just beautifully. And it's really fun to look at. Um, and so, you know, we were really into that. So I came down, I, I went down to Chickasha, what was it, maybe a few weeks ago. And I, I had some stuff that I had to do at my office. But the other thing is I wanted to go see the inflatable leg lamp uh, that was, <laughs> hanging out there on main street and i it it was great because it was from uh you know the christmas story or a christmas story but it, it also had the the box that said fragile on it It was just awesome and i'm like this is so chickasha i mean it's so it was just very much anyways so for the you know if, if listeners haven't been to chickasha or haven't spent much time there it's a really interesting town in that it's uh you know it, it's got it's a little bit of a college town but it's also got its own kind of like local flavor there's a little bit of a southern flavor there um you know there's different cultures that kind of like converge all upon the city and it, it, it's interesting like when you go up and down the streets you'll have really big nice houses next to little tiny old houses and it's just i i think it's, it's kind of charming in its own way so when i heard they were getting the inflatable boot i was like oh that's so chickasha <laughs> it really was so, Kelly, what did you think of it? Um, well, <clears throat> I was a little disappointed because it didn't have fishnets on. Because, like, <laughs> that was, like, one of the things in A Christmas Story. Like, that's what made it so simple. Yeah. Was it fishnets? And this doesn't have fishnets. And that's so, I was like, mm. <laughs> And then, like, they first put it up and then it deflated. But the first thing I thought was, this is what Chickasha did with their weed tax money. Yeah, and they built another well, Christmas. You know. They built another Christmas tree, but but Chickasha is Christmas crazy. I mean, Chickasha is Christmas like crazy. They just are. Yeah. So I am not surprised. I wouldn't be shocked if that wasn't the only thing there next year. Like next year, like Rock Island Depot, all of that. It's going to have all kinds of stuff there. Oh, you yeah. mark my words. This is just the beginning. Well, you know. And the Festival of Lights, that's something that brings people in from all over the state. And so I think this is just another thing to add to it. But I will say for towns around the size of Chickasha, I always felt like they, you know, the Main Street area was decorated pretty well every Christmas season. Um, so it was kind of nice to see them add on to that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it, it was pretty cool. Uh, the second thing I wanted to mention um, is that Norman, is, Norman, Oklahoma, where I live, is one of six cities that was selected by Netflix to do a decoration, a decorating uh, extravaganza sort of type thing. And I think they're going to be putting something on Netflix. I wasn't entirely sure, but, you know, the other cities were in, you know, California, Pennsylvania, Georgia, kind of all over. And Norman just happened to get picked. And I think they're finishing maybe today or they maybe just got finished. But 
uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited to drive down to Main Street because what I've been told is that, you know, it's just like just an explosion of lighting that's been, you know, set up um, by Netflix. And I guess the city of Norman gets to keep the lights. So if anyone's looking for a safe activity um, over this Christmas holiday and you're going to be in the Norman area, you know, one thing that's really easy to do is just take a drive down Main and, and take a look at it. Uh, the kids and I, I think, are going to go tomorrow night to take a look at it. So before we get into the depressing news, Kelly, I just <laughs> wanted to spread some holiday cheer. I love that, though. You know, and, and the Festival of Lights, that really is that really is a, a good alternative. People come from everywhere. I, I live here and actually, you know, grew up in, in Anadarko, and I've never even been to the Festival of Lights. As close as I live to it. Like, but... Yeah. You know, but but this is it it does bring in and it's like I said, they're they're gonna that 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 festival like it's gonna expand to to Chickasha Avenue and to, to downtown Chickasha. It it absolutely will. So so next year it's gonna get even bigger, I, I'm sure. So I appreciate well, the I'm holiday excited. cheer and I'm excited for Norman too. I wanna go see that. I'll drive down Main Street in Norman. Yeah, I, I, just a, I, when, I, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's going to be in our little hometown, so maybe that'll give Oklahoma a little bit of press, too, nationwide. So that's that's what's going on locally, and there are other things, too. But um, So some, it's been, been a few weeks since we, we've been able to catch up live, so let's just kind of jump in right now. Um, the COVID numbers are, you know, as we, we've seen, have really increased and have kind of held steady at that increase. We're seeing roughly around 2,500 new cases a day in Oklahoma. There have been a few days where we've had over 4,000, and some some of that's backlogged, you know, people not testing on weekends or whatnot. But what we've been seeing is is our numbers are much higher than they were at what we thought was the peak um, in uh, April, uh, you know, March and April of last, earlier this year, I should say. Um, so, Numbers are not terribly encouraging right now, uh, nationwide, not terribly encouraging. And the stories that we keep hearing, and, and I think these are probably the most pertinent, are the hospitals that are overfilling. And, and I think this is really important because I hear a lot of pushback from a minority of Americans, but a very vocal, and I shouldn't say small minority, a good-sized minority of Americans who say, oh, the numbers are inflated, or they're just making it up, or, you know, some of the other things I hear that, oh, the COVID death numbers really aren't that high because people are dying of other things and they're calling it COVID. Well, the one thing you can't argue with, Kelly, is that this is the first time we've ever seen hospitals stretch to this kind of capacity. And that's what's really worrying and troublesome is that you can't ignore the fact that the hospitals are, they're bursting at the seams. Some hospitals are already trying to make makeshift secondary units for COVID units, trying to, you know, we're hearing about school gymnasiums or other structures that have been used, a parking lot I heard at one point had been converted and used uh, to, to handle the overflow but the reality is, is that it's not, you know, it's, it's not just the deaths from COVID that, is, that we have to worry about now, because the fact that the hospitals are so full and we have a lack of ventilators makes the flu more serious. Uh, it makes it so that if you have an injury or a heart attack or something like that, it's going to be less likely that you're going to be seen in an ER or be able to find room for you somewhere in an intensive care unit. So overall, the, the state of things, you know, we were worried about a second wave coming this fall and this winter. Well, it's here. And that's where we're at right now. And it's, uh, 
it, it's pretty wild when you look across Oklahoma and nationwide. Oklahoma is number three in hospitalization rates, meaning that we don't want to be there. We have the third highest hospitalization rates, and you see it all across the state, Kelly. It's it's uh, you know it, it is upon us. If anyone needed a reality check or a wake up call, it's here. We we are in the midst of what I think is kind of the peak levels of COVID right now. And, you know, really, we should be doing everything that we can to um, mitigate this and do everything we can to mask up and do everything we can to stay home as much as we can and not take our entire family to the store and, you know... we're, we're, we're so completely lax now. And, and then we have these people, and I say these people like you and I, these people, who are very staunchly, uh, like, I'm not going to go anywhere unless I have to. Uh, you know, I'm going to take every precaution when I do have to go out. And then you come across these stories, uh, like is on our social media page, our Talk Jai social media page, about the owner of the Redneck Yacht Club. Yes, sir, that's a place. And he was fined because uh, they said that he was serving alcohol after 11 because the, you know, Kevin Stitt said, put, put these restaurant restrictions in. Like you have to be six feet apart and you have to close at 11. Bars and restaurants have to yeah. close at 11 now. And so a lot of these bar owners are like, we want clarification. If they bought their beer before 11 and they're drinking it after 11, then, you know, like, we need clarification. It's like, no, your doors are supposed to be closed at 11. Like, you got to do your last call at 1030. <laughs> and and that's the hard part about, you know, I, I, I think we do need policies in place, but it's hard to enforce them. And, and the other thing is the willingness of local and state governments to be able to enforce restrictions. And it's really hard in a place like Oklahoma because people are very concerned about their civil liberties. And, you know, there's just so uh, such a gulf of vast valley between views on this virus by individuals. And on one side, you have people who are very, very concerned about freedoms, personal liberties, those kinds of things. And so, you know, in some ways, it's, it's, it's almost like testing out you test out the teacher to see how much you can get away with or test out the parent, so to speak. Um, and it's kind of like that. Well, how far can I really push this, you know, before we have any kind of consequence? But the consequence shouldn't be the government. The consequence should be that just look at the hospitals, like look at where they are right now. You know, my home state of North Dakota has been hit hard for weeks and weeks now. And, you know, the, the stories that are coming out of there are just, I mean, almost nightmarish how how overworked healthcare staff are. And not only that, but traumatized. You know, you've got people who are watching, like on a daily basis, you have, you know, uh, nurses and other medical health uh, professionals who are watching, you know, people struggle to their, their last breath dying. And from what I've heard, I've met, you know, not seen it, but uh, I have many family members that are working actually in COVID units. And just to hear the stories they tell is just heartbreaking. And, and Kelly, I think it, it comes down to, in the United States, we just have this, what I call the diehard mentality, you know, my favorite Christmas movie with Bruce Willis. Uh, but it's all about the one guy who takes down the terrorists by himself with a gun. And I just need me, myself and I. Um, and so it's the me rather than we kind of mentality. 
And, you know, I, I think if a lot of people were able to see what these nurses and other healthcare professionals are looking at every day, my hope is that, you know, they're like, what do they bring in another uh, Christmas uh, reference, pop culture reference? The Grinch's heart grew three times that day. You know, we, maybe we could build some empathy just to see that your actions, yes, they do matter and they do have an impact on others. And that's why the CDC and other healthcare professionals have been saying for months now that you need to take restrictions seriously. But here in Oklahoma, we seem to be a little bit more rugged individualist, and, and that makes it really hard for, for these recommendations to take hold. Well, and especially when these restaurant owners are like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to continue to operate and everything, and I'm not paying that fine. I'm not paying that $750 fine. It's like, but y'all just gung-ho supported Stitt the whole time like y'all y'all were with him until he started doing this and now and and we're seeing that across the country oh boy are we seeing it across the country like republicans are like turning cannibalistic but you know but here in oklahoma just to finish up on that you know they're like well we're just gonna move this party from place to place so we'll let you know where it's gonna be and it's like so but those are the super spreader people like as long as they're out there operating, like they're the ones that are out there coughing all over everything at the grocery stores, and you know how how are we supposed to combat that? How how is it supposed to get any better? Especially when they're like, you know, ref- like the anti-vaxxers too, like anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers. Um, <laughs> what else? Yes. Well, and it makes a difference. You know, we're we're probably just starting to feel the effects of the Thanksgiving holiday now. Like the the infections, the largest number of infections are, are probably you know we're we're catching the brunt of that now. And Christmas is is a new thing to think about because one of the the things that had been uh, publicized or made known and studied about this Thanksgiving is that Thanksgiving travel barely decreased from last year. I mean, it was barely a difference. So. Uh, Americans, you know, even those who maybe were more concerned about the virus still felt that, you know, the Thanksgiving holiday was, uh, you know, getting together was more important. And, you know, the, the, but the other narrative is, you know, I know it sucks. It's horrible to have to stay home for holidays and not be able to be with as many family as you normally are, but you want them to be around for future holidays. And so, you know, there's conflicting narratives that that we hear in the public right now, and that makes it really, really difficult to deal with. So the the next part that I wanted to talk about that I think we need to give some time to is the fact that the UK has already started their COVID vaccination. So we've got good vaccines from um, Pfizer, from Moderna, and then I think we've got a third one coming out and hasn't really gotten quite as far. But um, we do have companies now that have vaccines that are being rolled out. And uh, some of the first uh, the first people to get vaccinated were in the UK. Canada is not far behind. I think they actually went through their um, their approval yesterday, so they sh- maybe even today or tomorrow might start their vaccination of healthcare professionals. And the United States, we should be hearing something very very soon. I anticipate before the end of the week, um, where we're going to have some kind of notification for what our vaccination rollout is going to look like. Now, what I've been hearing or reading is that it's going to go to healthcare professionals. Um, and then after that, other 
essential workers, social workers, uh, teachers are likely going to be higher up in line. And then starting with the elderly and those who have a lot of pre-existing conditions and all the way down to 16 years old uh, has not been tested on individuals under 16. So as of yet, children are not scheduled to get the vaccine. But in order to get all of these people vaccinated, and it's going to take a very long time, even if we were to start vaccinating healthcare professionals as early as next week, um, we would be nearly to the summer, probably to you know April, maybe May, by the time we were able to get through everyone. So and there's and there's the other part of the process, which you get vaccinated once, you have to have a booster, which is three to four weeks after. So you know even after you've started the vaccination process, it's going to take about a month before we you know finally see some kind of results. Um, and let's add to the complexity here the fact that nearly half of Americans have very very serious reservations. Um, about getting the vaccine. And, and I, you know, I can actually understand some of those. You know, there are groups that have very good reason to, um, you know, not be able to trust uh, some of the medical community because of history. Uh, and there's also those that are, you know, compromised or have allergies to uh, the vaccines who may, may choose to not get them as well. Um, but all this adds up to the fact that even if we, you know, get as many va- people who want to get vaccinated uh, through the lines by, let's say, May 1st, this thing isn't over. It's going to take a while for us to still use these social distancing measures. And, you know, what, what I've been hearing, Kelly, is that we're probably not going to see anything that looks like normal until maybe August. So we're going to need some patience from the American people to be able to get through this. I think, too, um, I think that we're exacerbating kind of like that herd mentality. I, I just I, I can't get over that. And and as as a sociologist, Dr. Garneau, wh- what how 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 is that again? How is that going to affect our overall recovery if like we have these like you say, diehard herd mentality believers versus the maskers and the you know policy policy advocates yeah it's interesting because you've got different factions that are that are starting to come out so i mean it it could play out in a few different ways And, and the first that i'm seeing is that this large number of people who say that they are averse to getting the vaccine i actually think that number is going to end up being smaller than what they're saying they are. In other words, if we have roughly 45% of Americans who are like, uh, I don't know, this vaccine seems a little off to me, I actually think it's going to be a lot lower. That number is actually going to be a lot lower. Once they see uh, family members, friends, relatives getting the vaccine. But the other thing, too, is we're going to need to find out when there is a Biden administration, and I firmly, we need to get to that as well. Uh, I believe there will be a Biden administration. I think there are things that can be done federally that will require certain people in certain kinds of positions. And, and I, you know, I don't know that that's going to happen yet. That is one thing that the Biden administration could act on, uh, which is to, for some federal jobs, maybe to teach in school, public schools, to do, to do those kinds of things that we have to have a vaccination record. You know, there's a reason why you have to have an MMR record, uh, a vaccination record, to go to a public school. Now, Oklahoma and some other states have loopholes big enough you could drive a truck through them, but still, that does incentivize vaccinations. And and I think we are going to see 
um, maybe a little bit more of that herd mentality shift towards vaccination. But in, in, let's go ahead and make the transition right now, Kelly. I think one of the biggest things that's going to dictate that is how vocal our current president is and how much the people who adore him are going to be emboldened by what's going on. Because right now, when they're saying, oh, I'm not going to take the vaccine, there are, and this is the next thing we got to talk about, millions of Americans who believe this last presidential election was stolen and firmly believe, I can't, I can't tell you how many people I know personally firmly believe that Donald Trump is going to be president come January 20th. And I don't mean a few of them. I mean, there are a lot of Americans who truly believe that's going to happen. And it may take us a while to get over that initial issue of that disappointment, because there are going to be a lot of Americans who are not happy come January 20th. Oh, my gosh. There's so much to unpack there. So, um... (laughs) Yes, uh, I, I, they stop, haven't stopped like waving their flags or doing their parades. I think it's quite alarming that uh, t- Texas, the state of Texas, filed suit against other states about their own election processes, and 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 a yeah. bunch of other states, ours included, jumped on that bandwagon and was like, yeah. They shouldn't. They shouldn't be able to hold their elections, and it's like what? Seventeen uh, states' attorneys general already. Yeah, you're right. I think Oklahoma's one of them. I don't want to step up and oh, speak out of they, turn, but I Oh, so. we are. Yes, sir, we are. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and my home states of North Dakota and Montana are on there, and they're and they're all red states. Um, and yeah, it, it's interesting. And Trump jumped on it himself, and so they. All 50 states now have certified Kelly, and according to the according to the the rules that are in place, once you've certified, you know, your electors have for the electoral college have to go along with the states, and all the states have certified. It's done. Everything is done. And let's just think about the lawsuits that have ensued. So the last count that I saw is that there had been 51 lawsuits filed between the different states. And Trump is currently one in 50. So he's won one and lost 50. Um, And the one that he won was not highly significant. Nothing really came of it. And, you know, he's had Rudy Giuliani flying all around until he got COVID, uh, flying around everywhere, you know, making these cases and, um, you know, know, these basic accusations and, so this is kind of a last-ditch effort, the way I've been reading about it. This, they're hoping the Supreme Court is going to take up this, this Texas lawsuit, the state of Texas. And it, I, I think for a lot of conservatives that, that still believe, they truly believe this is going to happen, that this is the last-ditch effort that's going to work. And the Supreme Court is going to hear it, and Donald Trump put his, you know, three of his own justices on that court. And surely they're going to discount all of the voters in, I think there are five states or six states listed, and completely nullify. I mean, that's what they're saying is going to happen. They're going to completely nullify those votes, which will bring Joe Biden short of the 270 that he needs. And then it will go to the House of Representatives, and each state delegation gets to choose. There are 27 Republican states. 
23 Democrat states. So that means that Donald Trump will then be crowned the victor. So just to understand what's going on, this is playing out in a lot of people's minds right now as what's really going to happen. So all of these lost court cases don't mean anything. It all comes down to this. It's a slam dunk. The Supreme Court's going to hear it. They're going to say, oh, yep, there is election fraud, no doubt, in all of these states. We're going to nullify the will of the voters in all of these states and send it to the House of Representatives where Donald Trump will become the president in, or stay, remain the president it is as of January 20th. To me, Kelly, that is quite a leap of faith <laughs> to be able to make. But that's what I mean. They believe it in their soul. So many truly believe that that is what's going to happen on January 20th. And I am a little concerned about what happens when that doesn't happen. Because from what I've heard from, uh, and I'm not a legal scholar, but from what I've heard from people who have, are very well versed in the Constitution and very well versed in, and have read the, 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 the lawsuit that's been filed by Texas, they said there's no there there. There's just nothing. It's, it's, it's shaky at best. And the likelihood that the Supreme Court will take this up is so small. Um, and so we're, we are circling the drain. It, it's coming. And it, we're, we're waiting for the rest of uh, the country. You know, those of us who have subscribed to reality, and sorry, that's my perspective, uh, are waiting for the rest of the country to come around, so to speak. It sounds really bonkers to me. That's the only word. Well, that's yeah. that's the word I will use right now is bonkers because it's it's just so crazy. It's like, well, y'all never accepted that Trump was president. I'm like, no, it's not that I didn't know that he occupied that space. It's it's not that I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I never denied that he won. Now, do I question how he got there? Absolutely. But I don't deny that he was installed in office, right? Right. And it's just like, well, we're just, we're just not going to recognize him. And it's like, it, it seems like this is just getting crazier and crazier and crazier and crazier. And... Like Colt yes. 45 is following them over the edge. And it's it's interesting how little pushback we've seen. Not not surprising. This doesn't surprise me. But it's interesting to note that Mitch McConnell sits on his hands. Every day they ask, is Joe Biden the president-elect? And the other day he's like, well, I just, I'm, I'm sick of answering that question. That's my best Mitch McConnell. <laughs> um, <laughs> Roar droopy dog, McConnell. <laughs> you know, like, it, and he's like, you guys ask me this question every time. And they're like, well, yeah, because he won't answer it. Like, we're looking for you to recognize reality because so few Republicans have been willing to, and some have, you know, have been, look, we just got to move on. Like, this, it's time. Let's do this, you know. And you've got your, your, you know, normal Republicans like Larry Hogan and Mitt Romney and, Ben Sass from Nebraska, who are like, oh, good God, can we just like move on at this point? Um, and, and, and yet you have these holdouts. And this is, you know, the theory that I've heard, Kelly, and I think it makes a lot of sense. There are some mainstream Republicans. Um, I'll just throw out a name, Marco Rubio, who would love to run for president in 2024 to challenge the Democrats. But if Trump maintains, and I think Trump may be looking at running again in 2024. Um, this is has basically splintered the Republican Party for the foreseeable future because no you know 
any Republican who wants to go visit Iowa in the next few years are going to incur the fury of Trump's wrath. And I think this is going to disable the, the, the mainstream Republicans for a while from being able to do anything because Trump has and I'm sorry, he has become the party. They that party got away from them. I don't know what they're gonna do. I'm sh- like McConnell. I don't think he wants to be doing this right now. I think he wants to be working with the Biden transition. I think he wants to be thinking about Georgia more than anything right now. But he has to deal with the president's antics and play to this. Well, the president deserves the right to file any lawsuit he wants, and yes, he does. But as you know, one of the most powerful people. In the country right now, you know, McConnell is in true form doing nothing and just kind of watching Rome burn. Because, by the way, we have a pandemic that is out of control. And we haven't even mentioned this. Trump's what, – what's he been doing? What's he said? Has he gone to any – has he made any announcements? Has he been speaking to the public about the virus? Has he been saying anything about relief? Like, we, we've – it's been radio silence from this guy because – his head is in one place and one place only, and that is the election. And I know we only have a few minutes left, Kelly. I got I to gotta tell you the story. I, I watched this yesterday. It was great. Um, so at, towards the end, and we, we're not even going to get to pardons, but you know we'll get to that maybe next week. Um, when it comes to things that the president does, you know they have to award the president the Medal of Freedom. So in, in the Oval Office this last week, uh, President Trump was awarding a Presidential Medal of Freedom to a guy. I can't remember his name. He's a world-class wrestler, went to the Olympics, beat the Russians. You know, he's like a head coach of the University of Iowa, won national champion, championships. And so Trump is reading his resume and this guy standing in the room. And Trump, he can't even help it. He can't help but say, well, I won. You know, because he's talking about, well, this guy's a real winner, one lost championships. You know, just like me, I'm 2-0. and You know, we know that. I'm 2-0. and He has to, like, make it about him. Everything. Like, and he's supposed to be making about this guy. And then at the end, the, after, you know, after the thing is over, and, and the, the wrestling coach is still standing in the middle of the Oval Office. So, like, uh, Mr. Trump, would you care to respond about such and such lawsuit? And Trump's like, okay, I'm, I'm fine. Bye, everybody. And he just walks out of the room. And the guy that's getting the medal standing there and puts his hands up in the air like, what just happened? (laughs) (laughs) Did he even get the medal on his neck? (laughs) Yeah, Trump just rage quits his own. (laughs) 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 But he couldn't help but make it about himself. He can't, like, he is so, you can tell he's obsessed. He's so consumed with what's going on right now. And, you know, it's kind of funny when you watch that video, but it's not funny when you think of, you know, as of today, 289,000 Americans who have died and a hospital system that's overwhelmed, and we are getting no leadership whatsoever. And I think that's the heartbreaking part of this, Kelly, is that, yeah, we're going to be talking about the Supreme Court case. If the Supreme Court hears it, you know, we're still talking. And the whole point is we could be talking about the next administration and what we're going to do to address one of the most serious crises that our country has ever seen. And we, we are stuck in a we're, – we're basically stuck right now. It's stasis. It's static. And we can't unjar ourselves because we have a president who's unwilling to take on this leadership position that he solemnly swore to take on when he was inaugurated in 2016. 
I knew this was going to be the worst lame duck presidency ever. I said that about George W. Bush, and oh, how wrong I was. But next week, yeah. I do want to catch up about um, the Georgia race, and I I want to talk about if these Republicans are, are tied so staunchly to Trump because they think that he's the only way that they're going to win. So, And then we've got a lot of other stuff to cover. So, Yeah, you know, pardons. Gotta, Remember, we got to talk about pardons, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, the pay for pardons. Oh, I can't believe we didn't get to that. So, yes, indeed, folks. Uh, remember, if you miss any of our conversations, all you got to do is catch up with them wherever you get your podcast. And we'll have some brand new content for you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Kelly J. Lewis with Dr. Chris Garneau from the Isle of Dr. Garneau. We'll catch you back here next week. Have a great day.